Welcome to Inside the Vatican with American Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll talk about the Pope's address to a group of theologians in Naples. Then, we'll update you on Cardinal Pell's appeal case in Australia, and what awaits him after a decision is made. Next, we ask, what does the Pope do on vacation? Finally, since it's our last episode before our summer break, we'll talk about some of the stories that we'll be keeping our eyes on over the next few months. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good morning from hot and humid Rome, Colleen. Jerry, the first thing that we should talk about is new this morning. It's the morning of Wednesday, June 26, when we're recording. Um, The Vatican just issued a statement on the photo of the migrant father and daughter who drowned while they were trying to cross the Rio Grande River. Now, Jerry, the Pope said that he has seen the photo. What else do we know? Uh, We know that he was, the Vatican says, profoundly saddened, immense sadness. And the Vatican said the Pope is praying for them and for all the migrants who have lost their lives while seeking to flee war and misery. Uh, He's deeply upset by this. I remember when he went to Lampedusa and he spoke about Cain and Abel. You know, he's asking Cain, where is your brother? And uh, he's trying to battle against what he calls this globalization of indifference and trying to get to the hearts of the politicians, those who define policy and say, You know, is there no other way that people can deal with problems instead of forcing people to such drastic action? Uh, He's deeply upset by this. He's got an office in the Vatican specifically focused on uh, migrants and refugees, and they keep him brief. So he's really uh, daily almost briefings on these things. And any such dramatic thing as this father and daughter is brought to his attention. And he just goes and prays. And But he also speaks out. He's, he's not a pope who's going to stay silent. And he's going to continue to try and shake the consciences of people. And we know that this is an issue that's really close to the pope's heart. Um, That leads us to our next story, which is that Pope Francis visited Naples this week, where he addressed a group of theologians about a variety of topics. And one of the parts that really struck me was this part about opening distance learning opportunities for migrants and refugees to take online courses in Vatican-approved theology programs. Jerry, how was that received? Well, I think the talk was a very important talk, and I think people will study it for some time because the whole emphasis was on dialogue, that theology must engage in dialogue. And part of it is to create a possibility for migrants and refugees who will not have the documents proving that they have the regular qualifications to participate or to take a theology degree. It opens up this possibility. And also by uh, distance learning. Right. So this would be something that they do in like migrant or refugee camps, right? Yes. Got it. And the Pope said you've got to be flexible in the structures and your organizing of the courses. Yeah. Jerry, I thought that the um, distance learning part was a really good example of the Vatican using technology to meet people's needs and kind of foster that that dialogue. Um, which of the topics that were addressed in this talk do you think was kind of the most important to the theologians who were gathered there? He insists on the need for the theology and the professors to engage in the outside society, 
in the culture, the history, the lives, the religious traditions of the different peoples. And he says also, you have to teach uh, the students about Islam, about Judaism, and to help people to understand these are the main monotheistic religions. Francis, in his talk, also said that the professors and theology should also look to nonviolence as a horizon of and knowledge. And he he pointed to the writings, for example, of people like Martin Luther King Jr. So it's it's very interesting because he also gives examples of people who've engaged in this kind of theology, theology of dialogue. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting that the Pope brought up in this was that he underlined the contribution that women make in, in theology and said, you know, their participation should be sustained. And he complimented the faculty there for, for doing that. Well, for example, in this faculty, which is for Southern Italy, uh, but which has also students from other places, he, he saw that there are quite a number of women students he also saw there were quite a number of women professors. Francis really wants to encourage this and to understand. And this is his whole idea of a synodal church, that we're walking together. Each one can contribute in different ways. It's not as if one is uh, one can only be the theologian if you're a priest or a, or a religious. And our listeners can read Jerry's full write-up of that speech at americamagazine.org. So next up, we may have a verdict from the Australian court on Cardinal Pell's appeal as soon as this week. Um, Cardinal Pell, just a reminder, was convicted of sexual assault of a minor last year, and he appealed the decision, and so now we're waiting to hear from the court on what they decided. And there's also a church investigation going on, and the Vatican has said that he has every right to maintain his innocence until that church trial is finished. Now, Jerry, we have this church investigation going on while we also are waiting for the civil court's decision. If the civil court overturns that conviction, uh, will that have any effect on the church's investigation? The church investigation will, co- will continue independently, but it becomes uh, much more serious if you have a double civil decision. Of course, the church investigation could still uh, conclude that he is not guilty. And so you'd have a, a major problem where you'd have a state saying yes, the church saying no, but you know there have been precedents in history for this. Uh, so I, I think we just we're really in in a, an area of uncertainty right now because nobody knows what is coming next. Will the three judges reach a verdict uh, this week or in the coming weeks and say, Cardinal Pell, we acquit him on the first judgment? We feel that the first verdict was not justified, and so then he would come out of prison. But the prosecution could, at that point, decide, as they have done in other similar cases, not so high profile, they could appeal to the high court. At that point, the high court would have to give its verdict, and that would be the final verdict. There would be no appeal against the high court's verdict. I I, I don't see, I, I don't think anybody sees the immediate uh, closure on this case. Got it. Do we know when we're going to get that Vatican decision? No, nobody really knows how far the Vatican investigation has gone. Got but it. Nobody, nobody expects a, a verdict before the conclusion of the civil process. I also wanted to ask you about another aspect of this case, um, which was that the Catholic News Agency 
uh, reported that Cardinal Pell and his supporters are arranging a like secure compound for him to live in if his conviction is overturned, which at least one source said it might be the seminary where he stayed during the trial. Um, I was wondering, have you heard anything about what his living arrangements might look like? Well, what we know for a fact is right now he's 23 out of 24 hours of the day in solitary confinement. Wow. He comes out twice a day for half an hour each time, I think. His lawyers can visit him, and he's allowed one family member and I think one other person in the week. And he's allowed, I think, six books. So he's reading and writing in prison, but it's it's a pretty hard life. Now, when he comes out of prison, uh, remember, the climate in Australia is very hostile to him in many areas. So there is a real danger. And in fact, the judge kid, who was the judge who sentenced him to prison, uh, spoke about the the danger to him, even in prison. This is why he's in solitary confinement. So obviously, if he comes out of prison, he is a man at risk. They have to take uh, real measures to ensure his security. And this is probably why, almost certainly why, his friends are preparing a kind of a secluded uh, hideout for him where he can be. And then even once this case is completely ended, there's a final definitive judgment, uh, Cardinal Pell has also got to face next year a trial for civil damages brought by another victim. There's a lot going on in this this story. And, you know, Cardinal Pell himself is kind of a, a controversial figure. We talked about his mixed legacy back in March, and I'll link to that episode in the show notes. And you can find all of Jerry's stories while we're on break on updates about Cardinal Pell's situation at americamagazine.org. So for our next story, um, Pope Francis is on vacation from early July until August 15th. But I've heard some Jesuits joke that he hasn't really taken a vacation in decades because he's always working. So, Jerry, I wanted to ask you, since you've known the Pope for a long time, where does the Pope go when he's on vacation? He stays where he is. Uh, He will remain in Santa Marta, which is the Vatican guest house where he is living and has been living since he was his election. Some days he will perhaps go around the Vatican and visit uh, some Vatican offices that would be working like the maybe the fire brigade, the photographers, this kind of he, he may just move around uh, to say hello to people. Right. He decided in 2013 that he, he wasn't going to spend the summer in the papal vacation house at Castel Gandolfo. Yes, he said that uh, the poor don't live in palaces. Mm-hmm. And Castel Gandolfo is like a beautiful lakeside castle. Yeah, Francis has never stayed in Castel Gandolfo. He's gone for an afternoon or gone for lunch, but no more. And he's only gone there a few times. Uh, he sometimes uh, will take a day trip out to either uh, cloistered nuns or to some shrine, but that would not be very often. But he he will be in his rooms, in his little apartment in the Vatican, and he will be busy. He will listen to music. He listens a lot to music. He likes music. What kind of music does he like? Well, when he was a child, his mother used to play on the radio, the play operatic pieces. So he likes that. He likes classical music. The Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, gave him a whole 
collection of, uh, I think, Beethoven and other kind of music. You've mentioned that the Pope also does a lot of work on vacation. So what are the things that he's going to be working on this summer? I mean, when we speak about vacation, what are we talking about? It means that he doesn't have public audiences for the month of July. Mm-hmm. He's still doing a lot of private meetings and things like that, right? He, he, he won't have his uh, weekly meetings uh, with the different heads of Vatican departments. He won't have uh, scheduled meetings with the bishops' conference who come for their ad limina, this five-yearly visit like the Australians are doing right now. He won't have such meetings. But he he will have private meetings. He'll meet people that he hasn't been able to see perhaps during the year. And then he will be looking at several things. First of all, at the reform of the Curia. They're drafting the constitution. That's like the... The, the law that will govern the reform of the Curia. After that, we will have the, he will be looking at who some people have reached the age of retirement or maybe even reached close to 80. So he'll be thinking about who to, who to make cardinals in this upcoming year. He will be reflecting on who to bring in. And he also might be, he might be writing something. Is that, is that true? We don't know. We don't know. The, he, He's quite good at keeping the cards close to his chest. Uh, So he could well be thinking of writing something. So his holiday, in inverted commas, will pass quickly. In England, you would say it's a busman's holiday. (laughs) So that brings us to the final part of our show, actually. Since this is our last episode until September, we wanted to go over some of the stories that we'll be looking out for this summer. There are some high-profile visitors coming to the Vatican this summer, including Vladimir Putin. Um, During that visit with Putin, is there anything that the Pope is trying to accomplish, or does he kind of keep his diplomatic work separate from these these sorts of meetings? Putin will come on uh, the 4th of July. He's coming to Italy on another visit, so he's he's going out of his way to meet the Pope as well. I I think uh, top of the list would be, there would be two or three things. First of all, uh, of course, the Ukraine. Secondly, uh, the Holy Land and the situation in the Middle East. That profoundly concerns the Pope. And especially now that we see the proposals coming from the United States regarding uh, the Palestinian question, which really uh, most people seem to think is really to produce a document which doesn't really involve the, the participants, the, the main stakeholders. It's very strange indeed. And then thirdly, uh, the Pope will want to encourage uh, the Russians to help resolve the situation in Venezuela. And what about that question about the, the diplomatic work? Do you think that he he's going to be discussing these things with Putin? Or will some of these things be kind of handled by the Holy See's uh, diplomatic workers? Well, it's it's not clear how long, how much time Putin will be in the Vatican. He he will have certainly have his meeting with the Pope, which will be somewhere, maybe twenty minutes, half an hour, forty five minutes, not much more. But he's got another engagement afterwards. So how long he will be with the Vatican Secretary of State and is uh, in question. I think the point is here to be noticed is this is an ongoing dialogue between him and Putin. And uh, uh, they seem to be able to talk to each other. And this is Putin's third visit. And they have communicated by phone as well. So the fact that this dialogue goes on is a, a sign of 
the seriousness with which each one takes the other. I mean, the, the relation between Russia and the Holy See goes back, man, very, very long way. And uh, I, I think uh, it's not to be underestimated. The last thing that I wanted to ask you about that I think is often in the back of everyone's mind is the health of Pope Emeritus Benedict, who, if he hadn't resigned, would now be the second oldest pope in history. Um, is there any recent news on how he's doing? Well, he's, he's people who have seen him to tell me that his mind is still clear, but his the physical frame is getting weaker and weaker. So it's a man of 92. And so I think people are prepared for anything. But right now, there is no immediate, nobody's ringing emergency bells at this moment. So Jerry, I know that even though Inside the Vatican will be on break this summer, you'll still be working covering all these stories. And for our listeners, you can find Jerry's ongoing work at americamagazine.org. Jerry, I hope you do get some time to take a little break this summer, um, and I'll chat with you in September. Look forward to that, Colleen. I hope you get a break too, and I hope our listeners will join us again when we return on the air. And congratulations to you on receiving your award from the Catholic Press Association of America as the uh, multimedia journalist of the year. That's quite a, an accolade. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Inside the Vatican was a big part of that, so I appreciate your help too. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at the William J. Shirt Studio in New York City. Our executive producer is Eloise Blondio. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Karen Freeman. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Oliver Lazarus. Our studio manager is Leopold Stubner. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage all summer long at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Tully. We'll see you in September.